the Lord be with you and also with you. Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. God's mercy endures forever. We gather in virtual worship this Lenten Sunday. Let us worship God in spirit and in truth. The liturgy, music, and sermon are offered in the praise of God for our virtual congregation today and later around the globe. The service includes the sermon recorded March 3rd, along with music and liturgy from earlier services. We welcome your support and responses. We also invite your Lenten attention to the possibilities for ministry and pastoral support available on our website. Please note that our March 14th service next Sunday includes liturgy and sermon devoted in commemoration to those lost in COVID in the last year. We await your self-selection of forms of leadership, ministry, and service in our midst. And as the spirit moves, when again it is permitted and safe to do so, your presence with us here in worship. Although our nave is empty, the music is full. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it.
may we pray. Almighty God, keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated. A lesson from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, verses 1 through 17. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents, to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son, or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or male, or female slave, or ox, or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided, through the foolishness of our proclamation, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please join me in reading responsively Psalm 19 with the Antiphon. telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are they, their words, their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warmed, and keeping them there is great reward. But who can detect their errors? Clear me from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from the insolent. Do not let them have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, O Lord my rock and my redeemer.
beloved, please stand as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri and the reading of the gospel. Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Glory to you, O Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The gospel of the Lord, praise to you, Lord Christ. On Christmas Day two months ago, Queen Elizabeth spoke from Buckingham Palace to her country and indeed the whole world, carried along on clear, crisp, elegant prose and given voice in the Queen's own King's English, her homily evoked a profound, powerful hope. May there be still many years in which we all shall hear her voice from Buckingham Palace. As my friend says in late pandemic, late COVID, we hunger day by day for indicia of normalcy. Well, Queen Elizabeth and her long life, Queen Elizabeth and her steady presence, Queen Elizabeth and her regal voice, Queen Elizabeth and her gracious aging gives us such, such indicia of normalcy. Think of her as a young girl in war-torn England, in bombarded London, 
Think of her as a queen in youth, supervising the elderly Winston Churchill, brilliant and unsupervisable. Think of her steady presence, her non-anxious presence, for most of us, for most of us through our whole lives to date. She was coronated before I was born. May there be many more of her addresses at Christmas. For people more need reminder than instruction, looking toward 2021, she reminded her country and indeed the whole world of the calling to kindness. Queen's primary image, the heart of her reminder, the crux of her peroration was drawn from Holy Scripture, from the Bible, a brief mention of the Good Samaritan. Her application to interpret the parable was neither unusual nor novel. Love your neighbor. Neither unusual nor novel, but so powerful, so true, so good, so right, and so beautiful. Notice, the message that Christmas Day relied on a liberal biblical theology. Her short speech was founded on a shared common language of faith known across the globe by adherents of many and no particular religious traditions, known uniquely in the Bible, a source of shared personal and social ethics and of the very shared common tongue that more than nearly anything else we shall need to get by. The Bible is a great global code and we shall need a common tongue, a common language, a common personal and social ethic as a globe around the globe to survive the 21st century and to deal savingly with nuclear weaponry, climate pollution, and pandemic, this one and the next. And here stands scripture, not as confessional requirement, but as reliable grammar, syntax, and spelling for a shared future. Marsh Chapel, every Sunday you give the globe four lessons and 59 minutes in sermon and song of this common tongue interpreted in a global, that is, a liberal biblical theology. My friend, deciding about his, about his life, says, it is a road to Damascus moment. My friend, hearing the broken alleluia of Leonard Cohen, can better bear his own grief, remembering the verses, now I've heard there was a secret chord that David played and it pleased the Lord, but you don't really care for music, do you? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. My friend, quoting Lincoln, he says, remembers a house divided against itself cannot stand. But Lincoln did not write that, did he? No, he learned it in a great code, a tome perhaps more meaningful to him than any other, though he hardly ever went to church. The Bible is still unsurpassed, a great code, and we shall need common tongue, common language, common personal and social ethic as a globe around the globe to survive the 21st century and to deal savingly with nuclear weaponry, climate pollution, and pandemic. Just as old Elijah said to Jezebel, you better start to learn your lessons well. To the shared great code, 
Queen Elizabeth repaired to start the year as 2021 opened. You remember, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell among thieves. You remember, in Lent especially, we remember. For Lent, as Thomas Merton taught, is for people who know what it means for their soul to be logged with these icy waters, and all of us are such people, if only we can realize it. There is confidence everywhere in Lent, yet that does not mean unmixed and untroubled security. The confidence of the Christian is always a confidence despite darkness and risk in the presence of peril with every evidence of possible disaster. Once again, Lent is not just a time for squaring conscious accounts, but for realizing what we had better perhaps not seen before. The light of Lent is given us to help us with this realization. The liturgy of Lent is not focused on the sinfulness of the penitent, but on the mercy of God. The question of sinfulness is raised precisely because this is a day of mercy, said Merton. Our Lenten sermon series, beginning today, will engage in 2021 in conversation with St. Patrick. From 2007 to 2016, Lent by Lent, we identified a theological conversation partner for the Lenten sermons, broadly speaking, out of the Calvinist tradition. In the next decade, we have turned to the Catholic tradition. With Calvin, we encountered the chief resource for others we engaged over those 10 years, voices like those of Jonathan Edwards, John Calvin, Marilyn Robinson, Jacques Ellul, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, a Lutheran cousin, Karl Barth, Gabriel Vahanian, and themes like atonement and decision summarized with the help of Paul of Tarsus. Then in this decade, beginning with Lent 2017, the Marsh pulpit, a traditionally Methodist one, turns left, not right, toward Rome, not Geneva, and we have preached with and learned from the Roman Catholic tradition, so important in the last 200 years in New England, and some of its great divines, including Henry Nouwen, Thomas Merton, John of the Cross, and Teresa of Avila. Other years, it may be Ignatius of Loyola, or Erasmus, or Hans Kuhn, or Karl Rahner, and others, one per year. Perhaps you will suggest a name or two, not from Geneva, but from Rome. For those who recall even dimly the vigor and excitement of Vatican II, there may well be other names to add to the list. We began with Nouwen, 2017, and by Lent 2020, we were listening in prayer for grace in the life, voice, heart, poetry, and spirit of Santa Teresa of Avila. I'd prepared to preach this year with Dorothy Day, 2021, and spent some of the summer reading her biography Another year, maybe next, 2022. For something about this year, something about life in Boston, it may be, something about the events and outcomes of late autumn, something about immersion in the home of the bean and the cot over several years, something, a touch of green, something brought the patron saint of Ireland forward. St. Patrick will help guide us for Lent 2021. A touch of memory shaded in green. Speaking of memory, our lesson from the fourth gospel gives us memory in and through which we prepare, come Lent, 
the long weeks of patience, wandering, and wilderness which form our yearly Lenten pilgrimage prepare us. Notice that St. John has arranged the furniture of the gospel. He has placed the temple cleansing at the outset of the story. We become who we are by daring to decide. We discover the power of imagination by daring to find the courage to decide, to choose, to choose. Some years ago in the aisle of a darkened sanctuary and following a dark reenactment of the events of Holy Thursday and Good Friday, a 10-year-old guided forward by his mother came and asked of the Jesus so depicted, Reverend Hill, what did he do that was so wrong? What was the linchpin, we might say, for the move to the cross? Well, I said, or perhaps mumbled in the dark, something about blasphemy and something about treason. But Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the Gospels other than John, mark Jesus' downfall at the temple. As he attacks inherited religion, as he cleanses the temple, his doom is sealed. In John, it is the resurrection of Lazarus, long chapters later, which seals Jesus' fate. But John, too, sees the power of decision and Jesus' appearance in the temple. In fact, in the second chapter, John opens with Cana and the promise of incarnation enshrined in that wedding and closes with the temple and the forecast of the cross, the hour, the word, which is John's abiding interest. Jesus is himself the temple which others will destroy. Here he gives his new view of the future, not to be awaited somewhere in the clouds. It is taking place now in the life and destiny of Jesus. The hour is coming and now is. All throughout, throughout his life and throughout your own and mine, there is the struggle, this struggle, his struggle for truth and grace. This is Jesus' struggle. He becomes himself, his own most self, not his almost self, in dealing with decision, with choice in today's decision to confront and affront inherited religion. Faith is finding the courage to choose. Faith is dealing with decision. And memory is our aid here. Remember Marcel Proust comparing the low and shameful gate of experience and the other, the golden gate of imagination. Memory feeds imagination. Faith is finding the power, receiving the power to choose, to reflect on choosing, to take responsibility for the choice, to learn with choosing, and to address the consequences thereof. Dealing with decision means dealing too with regret and with failure. This too is faith in action. Listen again to the regret in Yeats' poem, no single story would they find of an unbroken, happy mind, a finish worthy of the start. Young men know nothing of this sort. Observant, old men know it well. This year, intermittently, when not reading Mark, we will scale a far greater promontory, the highest peak in the Bible, which is the Gospel of John. With every cutback trail at every rest, 
point, atop every lookout, and with every majestic view, this spiritual gospel will address you with the choice of freedom, with the ongoing need to choose, and in choosing to find the life of belonging and meaning, personal identity, and global imagination. Yes, choosing diversity and inclusion. Yes, and also choosing unity and mutuality. More personally, this gospel helps those who struggle, as maybe you do this hour, with dislocation or disappointment. The bride in Cana experienced dislocation, perhaps so have you. The bride of Christ experiences disappointment, and so perhaps have you. St. John features Jesus in mortal combat over all these. Jesus demarcates the limits of individualism during a wedding in Cana. Jesus pillories pride by night with Nicodemus. Jesus unwraps the touching self-presentations of hypocrisy in conversation at the well. Jesus heals a broken spirit. Jesus feeds the throng with two fish and five barley loaves. Jesus gives sight and insight, bifocal and stereoptic to a man born blind. Jesus comes upon dead Lazarus and brings resurrection and life. He brings the introvert out of the closet of loneliness. He brings the literalist out of the closet of materialism. He brings the passionate out of the closet of guilt. He brings the dim-witted out of the closet of myopia. He brings the church out of the closet of spiritual hunger. That is, in all, Jesus brings the dead to life. He brings the dead to life. In poetry, St. Patrick greets us with just this strength, strength for decision, strength for the journey. St. Patrick was British by birth, you will remember. He lived and worked in the fifth century CE, the dating beyond that, obscure. By legend and tradition, he brought Christianity to Ireland, of which he became the patron, though uncanonized, saint. He survived capture and slavery, and guided by his own visions, his own touches of green, he evangelized. Never before did they know of God, but they became the people of the Lord. Of many, there is one chief telling clue to the truth and depth in the wilderness journey of Patrick. That is, Patrick was unafraid to incorporate pre-existing Irish beliefs and symbols into his teaching about Christianity and his offering of faith, as was the author of the Gospel of John, who himself was unafraid to incorporate pre-existing Gnostic beliefs and symbols into his teaching about Christianity and his offering of faith. St. Patrick is best known for his glorious poem, his breastplate, to which we return in later Lent. Here though this morning, a few choice verses. I rise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. I arise today through the strength of Christ's birth with his bath baptism, through the strength of his crucifixion with his burial, through the strength of his resurrection with ascension, 
I arise today through the strength of heaven, the light of the sun, the radiance of the moon, the splendor of fire, the speed of lightning, the swiftness of wind, the depth of the sea, the stability of the earth, the firmness of rock. I arise today through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's work to, word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's shield to protect me, God's host to save me. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of the Trinity, through belief in the threeness, through confession of the oneness of the creator of creation. So Patrick wrote. Beloved, in a moment we will hear again the ancient liturgy for Eucharist. We are not together to receive together the bread and the cup, but we are together in relationship, by memory, in hope, through prayer. With a little imagination, with eyes closed and hearts open, we might allow the familiar ancient prayers of communion to bring us into communion. So, travel with a little imagination. Imagine Eucharist at Marsh Chapel. Stand to sing, pause to reflect, step out into the aisle, look at and look past Abraham Lincoln and Francis Willard. Receive cup and bread, bread and cup. Kneel at the altar to pray. Stand in communion with the communion of saints. Here is the bread and cup of friendship. Imagine if you are willing, a baptism, a wedding, a funeral, Say right here in a congregation gathered, reciting together a creed, a psalm, a hymn, a poem. Imagine, if you are willing, a congregation currently in diaspora, but just now, by the word spoken, a gathered and thus addressable community, you and I and all together. Sursum corda, lift up your heart.
the work before us, the life within us, the fellowship among us, and thy love that surrounds us. We give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hear the good news, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love towards us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth. You brought all things into being and called them good. From the dust of the earth you formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. When rain fell upon the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, you bore up the ark on the waters, saved Noah and his family, made covenant with every living creature on earth. When you led your people to Mount Sinai for 40 days and 40 nights, you gave us your commandments and made us your covenant people. When your people forsake your, forsook your covenant, your prophet Elijah fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and on your holy mountain he heard your still small voice. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ when you gave him to save us from our sin your spirit led him into the wilderness where he fasted 40 days and 40 nights to prepare for his ministry when he suffered and died on a cross for our sin you raised him to life presented him alive to the apostles during 40 days and exalted him at your right hand by the baptism of his suffering death and resurrection you gave birth to your church delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. Now, when we, your people, prepare for the yearly feast of Easter, you lead us to repentance for sin and the cleansing of our hearts, that during these 40 days of Lent we may be gifted in grace to reaffirm the covenant you made with us through Christ. On the night in which he had given for himself up for us, he took bread 
gave thanks to you, broke the bread and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. And now with the confidence of children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever.
Eternal God, we give you thanks for this holy mystery in which you have given yourself to us. Grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, 
the communion of the Holy Spirit be and abide with each one of us now and forever.